0: Good morning, it's good to see you guys here, whether you're in Knoxville, online, or at our and location. Uh, man, what a great season at, that our church is in right now. 45 decisions last Sunday, and man, just really excited about what God is doing, what He's going to do today. We had four people this morning give uh, their life to Christ, so uh, excited about what God's going to do here. Obviously, next Sunday being Easter, God always moves. Some of you are going to get baptized next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, and course, Good Friday. This coming Friday is our, our family fun nights in the park. And so uh, find some Easter eggs, bring some friends, build some relationships with us. And uh, uh, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun this week. So I'm excited about that. Today is actually Pastor Greg's birthday. And so uh, at Bearden and, and here, let's give him a round of applause. <laughs> hey, everybody there, I'm sure. Give him, a, give him a big kiss on the forehead. He loves that. And uh, just kidding. Um, if you've got a Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. If you are a moviegoer like me, uh, maybe you read the book. Um, I love a good story. I love a good movie. And every good story has the protagonist, which is the hero. That's the main good character. And, and then the story also has uh, the bad guy or the antagonist. And, and some of our favorite movies and some of our favorite stories have a character that appears to be a good guy appears to be a friend of the main character but it turns out somewhere in the story that he or she is actually a bad guy and so this is what we call the traitor right the traitor is this person that we love to hate right i mean as soon as someone betrays the good guy we just want revenge. We just, we just hate that character. And we, we come by that honestly because in our own life, if someone's betrayed you or been a traitor to you, it just uh, it's under our skin. And man, we just really uh, loathe that person. And so I've got a few of my favorite movies that I want to help us kind of dial into today. But one of the, the first traitors that you'll remember is actually this guy. I mean, what a great movie. Am I right? Anybody with me today? That is a great movie. And, and, and so you knew something was up with Scar at the beginning, but it didn't take us long to realize that he is a brother, but he is a traitor to the family. And he tries to kill Mufasa and Simba. Mufasa dies and then Simba um, is, is there, and he shames him to leave the kingdom so that so that his lust for power could, could make him the king, right? He's a betrayer, and we love the ending of that movie when he dies, right? <laughs> Another movie, well, before I click, but when I was a kid, like growing up in the 80s, Star Wars was the jam. It was the movie. Anybody grow up in the 80s with me like, that was the epic of all epic movies. And I remember watching The Empire Strikes Back. That's the second one. And um, one, of, one of my favorite characters, Han Solo, obviously everybody's, he goes to this city, the Cloud City. Remember? just I know, we're, we're going to get to the Bible in just a second. <laughs> he goes to the Cloud City to his old buddy Lando Calrissian, who he thought was his friend. And he gets there and he is welcomed by Lando. But you remember this guy he actually betrays Han and Vader arrests him. And then you remember this scene where he puts him in the carbonite? That was a super scary scene for me as a kid when that happened and and, and you like Lando, but then he betrays Hans. Now the good thing about him is he later comes back and and, and he kind of redeems himself. But in that moment as a kid, I I was mad, right? The traitor needs to pay. Now, for the older generation, I have an older movie for you, and this is like top five movie of all time, all time, all time movies, right? The trilogy of The Godfather, right? And if you're a Godfather fan like I am, then you're gonna know who this guy is. And right, I, did you hear the moan? Like, as soon as this picture, everybody was like, oh, that guy, why? This is Fredo. Fredo is Michael Corleone's older brother, and um, he is the guy who we, he did in part two, Michael's life is uh, attempted uh, assassination and so he's trying to figure out who was trying to kill him and how did they how did they do it and, and throughout the movie he's trying to figure it out and then he finally realizes that it was Fredo. He betrayed the family, he betrayed Michael. and so in the movie, when he discovers that it was Fredo, he goes up to him and he kisses him on the cheek and he says, I know it was you, you broke my heart. And in that scene, it kind of of pictures the the traitor of all traitors that we're going to talk about today. And and by the way, later Fredo gets killed and (laughs) we're kind of of happy that happens in the movie because we don't like traitors. right? He, He obviously didn't listen to his father who, here's my best impression, Never go against the family, right? Right? Not bad. It was, it, was, it was better than the first service. But the deal that we're going to talk about today, starting in Matthew 10, is about a guy who, not a fictional character, he's an actual real person, a real man in history, who was one of the 12 disciples, and he betrayed Jesus. He is a traitor of all traitors. And we're going to learn some lessons from a traitor today. And so if you've got your Bibles, or if you just want to look here at the screen, this is chapter 10, verse 1. This is the beginning of Judas's journey. And it says this, And and he, Jesus, called to him his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, spoiler alert, who betrayed Jesus. (laughs) Right? And so, what we want to start with today is that there was a day in Judas's life where Jesus chose him to be one of his guys. Jesus saw something in him, Uh, maybe he saw his potential. Um, maybe he had hope that he was going to become something, and so Jesus actually brings him and chooses him to be one of his inner circle disciples. And so Jesus gave him an opportunity. And think of the opportunities that Judas was able to experience. Judas heard great mir- or saw great miracles. He saw the blind receive sight. He saw dead people walk out of their graves. He saw Jesus feed the 5,000. He saw miracle after miracle after miracle. Judas was experiencing also this amazing, great teaching from Jesus. I mean, he heard the Sermon on the Mount. He heard the parables. He heard all of this great, amazing teaching from God about the kingdom of God. Judas, here in this passage, we see that he was actually given authority as well to uh, cast out demons to heal the sick. And so he was actually serving as well. Judas was, was, was involved in a great ministry. Like he was, he was serving the Lord and he was healing people and he had this power that, that Jesus had given him authority. And so there was a day when his ministry was strong. He also heard many great warnings from Jesus as well. All of the warnings about how to enter the kingdom of heaven the consequences of sin he heard the warning to be on his guard against wanting more and more stuff because jesus said life is not made up of how of what a person has he heard the warnings right he saw great things he was near jesus he heard great things he experienced great things but his heart was far from jesus you see You can have great potential. You can be around great people. You can have a great family. You can hear great teaching. You can live in a great country. You can attend a great church and still go to hell without faith in Jesus. Judas is our example today. He had potential. You might have potential, but potential doesn't matter. Your ability doesn't matter if your heart isn't available to Jesus. Jesus was chosen. He was close to Jesus, but he was so far away. The first lesson of a traitor today that we've got to see is that traitors can be near the things of God and yet still be far from God. Think about it today. Is this you? You're around godly people. Maybe you have a godly spouse. Maybe you've heard great teaching and you've been around and you've seen God do some great things But at the end of the day, you can be near the things of God and still be far from God. And the question that you have to answer today is, have you surrendered your heart to Jesus? Have you given him the authority of your life? Have you completely put your faith and hope and trust in him? Every single one of us could be this person. Every single one of us could struggle with this I think for Judas, um, he had the potential. He heard the great things. And yet his, he, his faith was, was not settled. His heart was far from Jesus. And so a lot of us have great things in life. You have a great family. You have a great uh, career, a great financial portfolio. You have all these great things, but don't mistake great things for a great life. Some of us are comfortable Comfort does not get you into heaven. And some of those things the enemy can use in our life to distract us and to to, to lie to us and say that everything's great. You got everything you need. You don't need God. You don't need Jesus. You just need to show up. You just need to be around it. The truth of the scripture is we're called to give our life to Jesus, to give him complete control of our life. The first lesson of a traitor is that you can be near the things of God yet still be far from God. Turn a few pages over to Matthew 26. We'll continue the journey with Judas here in verse 14. It says, then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and he said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver and from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. Um, in Luke, when this moment happens, Luke gives us a little bit more detail. And he says that the, that the devil actually entered into Judas. And then after that, he, he then goes to the chief priest. And, and we can see kind of the motivation that he has. What are you going to give me if I turn him over to you? What are you going to give me? And his desire was obviously for money. But you don't get to the moment of betrayal if you, you don't understand this. Lesson two, traitors give Satan a foothold. It's not like, you know, automatically, boom, in that moment, like, like Judas decided to betray Jesus. No, the enemy had already, already gotten into his heart. His enemy already had a foothold. And when you give the enemy a foothold, he turns it into a stronghold. Right, the thought life, the attitudes, Obviously, Judas had a problem with greed. He wanted more and more. He wanted and loved money. 30 pieces of silver was about four to five months worth of a salary at that time, and that's exactly what Judas wanted. See, Judas had some gifts. He was, uh, apparently he was good with budgeting or financially forecasting. Maybe he was, you know, just good with math. We don't know, but we do know that he was entrusted to take care of the money that was given to the ministry of Jesus. And so he was in charge of the money bag. And, and so uh, what oftentimes you, you function in well is also, will also become what you dysfunction in. And so that was true for Judas. He, his, his gift or what he functioned in well was, was budgeting and math and ha- handling resources. But then it also, because the enemy got a foothold in his life, became what? his dysfunction was. Now he was using his gift set to cook the book, so to speak, to kind of not know what the left hand, uh, and the, the, the right hand and the left hand weren't, weren't really in sync with one another. And we know that because of the gospel of John. And in the gospel of John, verse 12, uh, Mary comes to Jesus and she anoints his feet with uh, this really, really expensive ointment oil. And, and uh, everybody was like, man, this was an act of worship. This is amazing. But, but Judas was upset and he said, Hey, you know, why, why did she waste that on Jesus? We could have taken that ointment, that oil, and we could have sold it. We could have made a ton of money, and then we could have used that for ministry. But, but John gives us insight to his heart. He said this, Judas said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So the reality here is that Judas allowed the enemy to gain a foothold in his life that turned into a stronghold. And now he starts making sinful decisions and sinful decisions and and more and more darkness to cover up, you know, where's the money at? He's using it for personal gain. And that becomes so strong in his heart that then that leads him to the moment of betrayal to Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. We see people that we respect and How many times have you seen this where someone has a moral failure and you're like, oh my goodness, how could that have happened in this person's life? And it's not like he was faithfully serving God or doing the right thing and then one day he just decided to, you know, make a bad decision, a simple decision. No, we all know it doesn't happen overnight. We know it's a process. It's a process of opening up the door to the enemy, allowing him to come into our life and he starts to 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 make room in there. As 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 soon as we crack the door and as he comes into our life, then all of a sudden he takes that sin and he builds on it and he grows that into further darkness and he begins to take more and more ground in our life. Be clear, Satan is not trying to bring you freedom. He is not trying to bring you a good time. He is trying to destroy your life and he wants to establish a foothold in your life so that that then would become a stronghold. You say, how does that happen? How does it happen in a person's life? I don't want that to happen to me. Obviously, you don't want that to happen. In Ephesians 4, Paul gives us some insight. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So what he's saying is, if you allow anger to come into your life and you don't deal with it appropriately, then you're, in a way, cracking the door, giving the enemy a foothold in your life to come in and take that anger and turn it into resentment. And I've often heard this verse, you know, applied to marriage. And it's like, hey, don't, you know, don't go to bed angry with your spouse. Stay up until you work it out. And I'm like, man, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Can I get an amen? It takes my wife a couple of days to finally figure it out. But just kidding, just kidding. You could insert into this word any negative sin or negative emotion that you're feeling. So it could be anger. It could be resentment. It could be, it could be like your, your lust for more power or your lust for more stuff, more money. In, in that, do not sin, he says. In other words, deal with it quickly. If someone has hurt you, don't let that linger because the foothold that the enemy will get with that anger is he'll begin to turn it into resentment. A couple of weeks ago as we talked about forgiveness, we said we've got to let that person go. We've got to release them. They don't owe you anything anymore. And until you get to that place, the enemy has a foothold in your life to ruin and upset. And that becomes the filter through which you are showing up at work and showing up in your marriage and talking to people and responding to people Don't let the enemy get a foothold in your life. Satan doesn't have power over Christians, but he can have power in you if you allow him to have room. If you create space and you allow him to have a foothold, he'll turn it into a stronghold. I think it happens in our thought life and our attitudes. You see, Judas, I'm sure, is thinking, because he's listening to Jesus And Jesus is saying this last week of his life. He's saying, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to to be killed. And Judas is thinking, wait a minute. Just like everybody else at that time, they thought the Messiah was going to come and and be the king of Jerusalem. And so now he's coming to this realization that I'm following this guy. I'm giving him all of this and he's going to be arrested. He's going to be killed. And he's starting to think, wait a minute. I, I I need a secondary plan here. This isn't going to Work out for me like I I thought it was. I, I'm sure he thought I'm gonna get even richer because he's gonna be the king. I'm gonna be one of his dudes, right? But now he's realizing that. Wait a minute, this isn't gonna come to fruition. And so what he starts to think about is, okay, I need a secondary plan. What I need to do is I, I've got to I've got to come up with my own plan. I gotta take care of myself. I gotta get what's mine. I've got to to do and look for opportunities to ensure that I'm taken care of. You ever done that? God, I know you've got a plan, but here's the deal. It doesn't look like you're coming through. So I'm I'm going to pick the baton up here. I'm going to run the show for a minute. You're not doing what I want you to do or what I expect you to do, so I'm going to do my own thing. You see, that's the next lesson. The third lesson of a trader is that traders walk away when they think they aren't getting what they deserve. When I think I'm not getting the marriage that I deserve. When I think I don't have the career or the paycheck that I deserve. I walk away perhaps as a trader, when I think I deserve healing or somebody I love deserve healing but they don't get it. We walk away as a traitor when we, when we look at God and say, you're not coming through. You're not doing what I think you should be doing. And so we walk away. This is what Judas is doing. I'm sure he didn't envision himself betraying Jesus like this when he first started following him. But a series of decisions and a series of dis- sinful decisions that have led him to this moment of not trusting Jesus. And that is ultimately what it is. It's Judas saying, I don't trust you, Jesus. You're not looking out for me. You're you're not going to take care of me, so I have to do this on my own. And so he walks away. And some of you have walked away as well. You've walked away from God's will. You've walked away from faith. You've walked away from trusting him, and you've decided to do it your own way. And you're here today, or you're watching or listening today, and you're like, man, I am miserable. Things are not working out for you. You you have tension in your family. You have tension at work. And it's all stemming from this lack of trust in Jesus and you just picking up the baton and trying to do it all on your own. But here's the good news. Let's keep reading in chapter 26. You're going to get a chance today. In chapter 26, verse 20, This is Jesus gathering in what's called the upper room. The the night that he's going to be arrested, this is the last supper. And so it says this, When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful. And they began to say to him, one after another, is it I, Lord? Lord. And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And he said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread And after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. You see... The truth of the matter for Judas in this moment, Jesus knows he's about to betray him, and yet here's the lesson. Traitors get a last chance. They just don't know when their last chance is going to be. You see, we talked about it last Sunday, but this might be the last chance for some of you to give your life to Jesus. For Judas, this was his last chance, but the beauty of of the gospel and the beauty of the moment that we share together today is that here Judas is at. He's sitting and he's eating with Jesus and Jesus is saying one last time, one of you will betray me. And they all start doubting their own loyalty. Is it gonna be me? Is it gonna be me? And Jesus says, the man who dips his hand into the dish with me is the one that's going to betray me. And so here's Judas, can you imagine the weight of of sin and guilt on this man in this moment? He's trying to keep up appearances. He's trying to show everybody that he's got it all together and that nothing's wrong. And so in this moment, he's dipping his hand, He he is eating with Jesus. And yet he is lying to Jesus. He's lying to his friends. Jesus says that it would be better for this person to have not been born. So he's saying, this is going to be the punishment for the guy that betrays me. One of you is going to do it. And it's better that this guy would not even have been born. And yet here's Judas. He's still eating. He's still lying. He's still trying to deceive. And then he asked Jesus, I'm sure kind of in a condescending kind of rhetorical question kind of way because he feels like he's putting on a really good show and nobody knows. Jesus isn't me. And he's like, you've said so. So then Jesus identifies that the betrayer is him. And in that moment, if we're watching this movie, I would expect Jesus to stand up, draw his sword, and then slice his head off, right? (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know what he does? He shares the gospel one last time. And he shares with them what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. And he explains what it means. You see, for some of you, you've been lying to your family. You've been lying to your friends. You're, you're lying to yourself. You're, you're deceiving so much. You're trying to give this appearance that you've got it all together You're trying to give this appearance that, you know, you're following God. And and you might be doing a good job fooling those people that are close to you. But Jesus knows. Jesus knew what Judas was contemplating. He knew what was happening in his heart behind the scenes. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you one last chance, Judas. We're celebrating the Passover. And the Passover was what the Jewish people celebrated every year. And that was to celebrate and commemorate the work of God in their lives so many years prior. Remember that when the, the, the Pharaoh was enslaving them and, and uh, they were, uh, God was sending all these plagues and saying, release my people. And, and it was in that moment, it was at that time where the final plague was the, this death angel that was going to come and take away the, the firstborn of every family member. And the only way that that was going to pass over the household is if you sacrifice the lamb and then you put the blood of that lamb upon your doorpost. And that night the death angel came by and passed over all those who had sacrificed that lamb and put the blood on their doorpost. And so the Jewish people from that moment on celebrated Passover. And so Jesus gathered these Jewish men together, and they are celebrating the Passover, and he is saying, this is the old promise, what we call the old covenant. Because of who I am as the Messiah, I am giving you a new promise. It's called a new covenant between God and the people of God. And he says, the promise now is that you are no longer saved by the blood of animals. Now you are saved by my blood, the ultimate and final sacrifice and in this moment, as he lifts up the bread and he breaks it, he praises God. And he is praising God for giving his people the opportunity to have forgiveness of sins. He breaks the bread, and, and, and as it's broken, he's saying that I am willingly going to the cross. Nobody is forcing me to do this. He could have gotten up and run away and hidden, but he but he doesn't. He willingly does this. He breaks the bread as a symbol that my body will be broken. I will die. And it is God's plan that I die. He lifts up the cup, he praises God. And again, this is him him praising God for providing salvation and forgiveness of sin through his sacrifice. And and he's saying, this uh, juice represents my blood that is poured out for the forgiveness of many. In other words, all who believe that my death is required, my death is all that is required, to receive forgiveness of sin and to have a right relationship with God will be saved. Those who put their faith in me and trust in my death and trust in my resurrection will be saved, will be healed, will have heaven and will have a relationship with God. And he's telling Judas, this is your last chance. I know you think you're fooling everybody. I know you think you're getting by, but the truth is Judas, I know you're miserable. Won't you receive it? Won't you, won't you believe in me? Unfortunately, Judas does not. He leaves. And he, in fact, betrays Jesus. And he goes to the garden where Jesus is praying. And the sign would be that he would kiss the Messiah. He would kiss Jesus on the cheek. And that would be the way that the authorities would know which man it was. And when that happens, they arrest Jesus and they take him away. And you would think in that moment that Judas would be excited and he would be happy and he would, you know, you know the, the, the rest is history and he lived happily ever after. But that is not the case, is it? Flip over one more page and we close with this thought in chapter 27, verse 3 and 5. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying... I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. Hmm. What a tragic story. Judas taking his own life, getting to the point to where he realizes that, oh my goodness, oh my gosh, what have I done? My sin isn't just against my spouse or my kids or myself. My sin is against God. What have I done? I have turned over the greatest man in the history of the world. And he goes to the religious leaders and he says, I've messed up. I've made a mistake. I can't do this anymore. The guilt is too much. I'm not going to be able to really think about what I'm supposed to do. And so take it back. And I, I can't deal with the guilt and the shame any longer. But his mistake, even in that moment of guilt, is that he took his guilt and his shame to the wrong people. You see, traitors can't receive forgiveness and healing from other traitors. They didn't give a rip about him. Just like your traitor friends don't give a rip about you. As long as they get something from you, They're happy. But the moment you don't satisfy their desires, they're going to walk away from you. The only place to take your guilt, the only place to take your shame is to the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? See, Judas had the opportunity with that guilt. He could have gone to the cross As Jesus was dying, we know that Mary was there. We know other women were there. We know the apostle John was there. He could have gone there. He could have gone to the other disciples and said, guys, give me some advice, man, I really messed up. I know you probably hate me, but what should I do? But he doesn't. Apparently, he just isolates himself. Apparently, he allows the pressure of the enemy on his heart to lead him to such a dark, dark, dark place that he felt like there was no way out. Hmm. Some of you know what that feels like. If you can imagine a line right here, it's like on this side of the line, on the line, Satan is the tempter. Hey man, come check it out. It's going to be so much fun. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to bring happiness to your life, man. It's going to be amazing. And as soon as you sin and you cross that line, he becomes the accuser. You idiot. Nobody's going to love you. You're never going to get this fixed. There is no hope for you. And that must have been where Judas was at. The feeling of hopelessness and emptiness and shame. The good news for some of you that are feeling that way today is that forgiveness is not offered by other traitors. Forgiveness is offered by your Savior, King. No matter who you are or what you have done, Jesus invites you to receive His promise of salvation by first admitting who you are and then receiving Him by faith. To get to this moment... Here's the reality. My final point is this. When I know who I am, I know who to turn to. The only way that I know who I am is if I believe what God's word says about me. And the truth is, listen to me, the truth is I am a traitor. I am Judas. You are Judas. You, you too are traitors. We rebelled against God's plan for our life and we were around God, but we chose to follow our own plan. We we heard about his love, but we chose the way of the world. We felt guilty and condemned, but but we chose to continue to fill ourselves up with things that numbed our, our minds and numbed our bodies so that we wouldn't have to deal with it. And we further denied his existence. We exchange the truth of God for a lie. And we worship created things instead of the creator. I'm a traitor. But you know what Jesus does with traitors? Even yet though we were sinners, Christ died for you. God's answer to a traitor race is to send Jesus from heaven on high to earth to live a, a perfect, sinless life, to suffer in shame on the cross, to die, but on the third day, ra- rise from the grave, defeating sin, defeating death, giving you and I hope. We have to realize who we are today so that we know the only one to turn to is Jesus. Jesus. And for some of you here today, you've never done that. You've never turned your life over to Jesus. You've never received him by faith. The truth is, you are a traitor even now as you sit. But I want to encourage you and invite you to take a stand today. So whether you're a Bearden or at home or here in the room with me today, would you just bow your heads and let me just ask those in the room who are ready to give their life to Jesus that want to commit their life to Jesus today confess that they are a traitor and receive Jesus by faith if that is you i just want to encourage you to say this simple prayer to god and just say god i confess that i'm a sinner i'm a traitor i believe that jesus died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the grave. And today, I receive him by faith. I give Jesus my faith. I make him my Lord. Come into my life. Save me right now. The quietness of this room. Four people raised their hand already this morning. How many, whether a beard or here in this room, just by a show of hands would lift their hand up and say, I just prayed that prayer. And ask Jesus to save me. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Just lift it high in the air so I can see you. All the way up. I see you, sir. I see you, sir, here in the middle. Anybody else? Raise it high. See you, young man. Praise God. Anybody else? Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Okay. I saw four or five. That's awesome. All the way in the top. What I want to do, I want to encourage those of you who just lifted up your hands. Number one, praise God for you. Number two, would you tell somebody? Our section leaders are wearing white t-shirts. They're here in the room. Tell them what you did today. Go to the care and prayer room and just simply say, hey, I, I prayed that prayer. And what we'd love to do is baptize you next Sunday. You would take that next step and say, yes, I want to identify myself as a follower of Jesus.